Hey, thanks for joining us. This is Khalil. This is Sean. For another episode of Welcome to the Table, and uh, we are diving in to another spiritual discipline here. Just to remind you, maybe you're newer to the show, um, or you've been you've been along for the journey for a little while now. Uh, it's great to have you. We like to introduce people to one spiritual discipline a month. So we we release episodes twice a month, and the first episode of the month is always a spiritual discipline. Now, these spiritual disciplines, or as Sean likes to say, ancient practices. Yeah are practices of the Christian faith that uh, Christians across all denominations and cultures and generations have practiced together as part of the great Christian faith to help us grow in our walk with Jesus and to grow uh, a disciplined life conformed to his image and to walk in the life that he has designed us to walk in. And so we want to continue to introduce us to spiritual disciplines because as we practice these disciplines and we walk in uh, these habits, we know that our habits and our daily practices are actually shaping who we're becoming. And so whether we uh, aren't really paying attention to them, there's habits that we don't think about, they're still shaping us. And then there are habits that we do think about, uh, and these are some of those, and they help shape us into the life that we want to live. Sean, would you add anything to that? Well, I mean, it could be a book recommendation, one that Khalil and I, um, well, I actually took from you, you recommended to me, is James K. Smith's You Are What You Love, and he talks about just liturgies. And, um, you know, these would be those types of things, those, these, uh, things that we are tethered to the ancients, uh, with. And so we just always want to continue to encourage people, um, in those practices. Um, cause part, part of it is it's our heritage mm-hmm. as, as followers of Jesus. And if you're listening, you're not a follower of Jesus yet. It's a good place to start as well. Just say, okay, well, I'm going to start praying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see what that, I'm going to start studying the scriptures and the Bible and see what it really says. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword there for, a, for you. Yeah. And you know, I've always thought that I know a lot of people say, man, I really want to grow in my relationship with God, but I don't exactly know what to do. Well, uh, we can start walking in some of these habits and practices because many of us say we're followers of Jesus but if we're following Jesus then we'll walk as Jesus walked and so um, that's what these practices can help us do and you can listen back to previous episodes explore the spiritual disciplines share them with friends share those episodes Uh, but our hope is that by introducing you to the episode you'll understand a little bit of what this spiritual discipline is why it matters so much and how you can begin to practice it in your daily life and that's why we're here and so um, man if this episode or this show is beneficial to you please rate and review we love that so much especially on the apple Podcasts app uh, but wherever you listen to and then also mm. we uh we just recently launched a patreon page um so we would love to have you sponsor the show we know that many people have said man this this has been such a benefit such a blessing and uh as we continue to want to offer a really good podcast we would love your support to help us go further and go for farther so um, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash W triple T podcast. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. So you can find it there. Yeah, absolutely. And this, uh, this is something that we, um, have been talking about a lot. It's kind of fun because we, it started out, we have an episode where we talk about this, but this just kind of started out as like a water cooler talk. And yeah. so, uh, we really do like genuinely appreciate your support and, uh, are so grateful to anyone and everyone who will listen. And we certainly hope that it has been helpful and beneficial. And, um, so thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. 
And so, Sean, we are diving into what spiritual discipline? Oh, yes. So this is great. Um, We're going to talk about the discipline or ancient practice of service or serving. Um, And so it's kind of funny because you read some of the um, the, the men and women who talk about this discipline and they say it's hard to define. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more of something that you experience. So Dallas Willard talks about, um, the, the disciplines as both inward and outward, or as he would say, he would call it the disciplines of abstinence and then the disciplines of engagement. And, uh, and so, uh, this would be a, a discipline of engagement. And, uh, I think it's really defined well in philippians philippians Mm -hmm. chapter 2 uh verse uh three and four and i think it's worth reading um simply because it's a great foundation for us which the apostle paul is talking to the church in philippi he says complete my joy uh by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind then he says do not from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so another way of putting this, and this is kind of my own maybe mock-up definition, is engaging our goods for the benefit of one another and the good of the kingdom of God. Um, and I kind of stole a little bit of from Dallas Willard again, he says it in this way in service, we engage our goods and strength in the active promotion of the good of others and the causes of God in our world. Mm. Um, I just think that's a really good definition, working definition of what service is. Well, and I think with that Philippians passage, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself shows that this, this idea of serving is you can't do service from the perspective, at least in a biblical sense, from the perspective of getting anything out of it, any personal gain, any personal advancement, but instead in the love of Christ, we are using our time, our, our talents, our resources, our treasure for the purpose of elevating other people, of honoring them, of advancing their life, of, of helping them move forward or move closer to Christ. And so uh, this idea of biblical service means putting down our own desires, our own uh, self-interest or self-focus and elevating the interest and the focus of others. And I think that's so important because that is what Jesus demonstrates in his life, you know, him, him humbling himself to enter into this world as a servant, um, to serve us in order that we would be reunited with God, uh, right at the heart of service is the heart of Christ. Yeah. And I think you said a couple of important things there. Uh, you kind of alluded to this idea that it's our motive should be first and foremost, uh, that we want to serve Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't serve in order to get something or get anything. I serve out of my love for Christ that I want to, um, I want to image him. I want to bear that image. And therefore, if I'm going to do that, I've got to do the things that he did. Well, Mm -hmm. he never received, like there's obviously inevitably there's things that you're going to receive. Um, you're going to receive a certain 
kind of joy that's almost sure. unspeakable. You're gonna, you know, there's, there's reciprocity. You know, reciprocity. people reciprocate. Yeah, the reciprocity. That's you. a tough word. Thank hey, you, we're man. We're here. We're here. I was like, do I say reciprocate <laughs> or, you know? Anyway, so you know, there's, there's obviously uh, some of that pay it forward mentality mm-hmm. that's naturally within, uh, within us sometimes when we receive something, but the the motive is never gain. It's right. always to um, image Jesus. Well, and I think as, you know, we talk about this, I tell people all the time, if especially those who haven't begun uh, a regular habit of serving, we could say habit of serving or a discipline of serving, where it's a, a regular rhythm in their life. Um, mm-hmm. I tell them, your faith will come alive through service in ways that it never could oh, any man. other way. Totally. So, you know, we were, we were created for the purposes of God and for the service and love of one another and to participate with him in his kingdom and, and his, his plans in this world. And so of course there is kind of a, a reward that comes alongside that when you begin to walk in purpose. I mean, if you right now you feel purposeless or like you're not contributing, your life isn't amounting to anything or, or uh, impacting the world in any significant way. Well, part of that is because, uh, written upon your heart as an image bearer of God is this creative, um, this creative element or this creative desire and this this draw and this longing to be a part of something more significant and greater than yourself. And totally. so, the moment you begin to step into a life of service, you're stepping into the purpose God has created you for, and with that comes identity comes life, comes joy, comes significance. You learn things about yourself through this. So uh, while it's not done for the motivation of those things, uh, the the promise is even that you will experience and discover those things along the way. Yeah, it's kind of like residue almost. Mm. It's just, it happens to you know, it, it's like shooting a gun mm-hmm. and this is probably a poor metaphor, but whenever you shoot a gr- whenever you go out shooting or whatever in the shooting range, you're going to naturally get this residue that comes off of mm. uh, the gunpowder and things like that onto you. Even if you don't feel it or see it or notice it, especially right away, mm. um, you might smell it later, but, um, it's, it's a natural, uh, it naturally takes place when you serve, you naturally are going to, uh, find somewhat, find who you were meant to be in one sense. It's like sitting by a campfire, you walk away and you smell like smoke, right? (laughs) Being, being, being in a serving, you walk away and you, you look and smell a lot more like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And the person he's created you to be. And so, and it's a beautiful thing too, when you really think about it. Um, I, I love the example uh, that Jesus sets in John 13, where he's washing the feet of the disciples. And, and you know, Peter's like, no way. Well, you know, I don't, this is not something you should be doing or whatever. And he says, and basically Jesus tells them, you need to go and do likewise. And then he goes off in John 14 through 17, he goes off on this monologue about what it actually looks like to love. And he, it's his high priestly prayer and what it looks like to abide in him. And so he's, he's giving this, this example that, um, if you want to, if you want to have any part of my kingdom, if you want to have any part of the kingdom of God, uh, his rule, his ways, his will on earth as it is in heaven, um, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. You got to be a servant. Um, you, you've got to wash each other's feet and it's an, it's an example of what it looks like 
for us, not just, it's not just, just the uh, physical act of washing feet, but it's, it's the, the practice of serving one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so serving can look a lot of different ways too. Um, it can look very different in the church and uh, stealing some thoughts kind of from uh, Donald Whitney, who writes a book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. You know, he says in there, he said, uh, it can look maybe as public as preaching and teaching mm-hmm. uh, or as segregated as helping in the nursery or uh, serving in some behind the scenes uh, place. It can be as visible uh, as singing a, a solo or worship or as unnoticed as, you know, helping with Sunday tech. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be highly appreciated by others. You might get uh, people coming and thanking you and praising you for your service and for the things they've seen you do. But more likely, most service is going to be pretty thankless. It might go right. unnoticed. And so, um, one, that can reveal a lot of our motivation in even serving uh, if we're looking for the appreciation and the applause. True. Um, but service is pretty is pretty thankless. And I think a life of service embraces a life that goes unnoticed. Uh, Jesus for, for 30 years was pretty unnoticed um, <laughs> by, by the world around him. Uh, but serving can include those kind of Sunday ministry areas. You, know, you might help in kids ministry or in a youth ministry or help as a greeter, an usher, whatever in your, in your local church, which I would encourage everyone to find some way to serve their local church. But it could sure. also include being a good neighbor, which we talk a lot about on this show. It could be babysitting for a neighbor for free or taking meals to a family who's enduring some hard times right now. Or it could be as simple as cleaning the bathroom, doing the dishes and taking out the trash for your family or your roommates. Um, Things that are thankless, that may go unnoticed, that um, don't look like they don't look like the praiseworthy things or Maybe they're not even super exciting, but they are the things that esteem others, honor others, and and build others up and put them ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how, like, how difficult this is for me. Mm. And you mentioned something even in there. We'll get into some of our motivations here in a minute, but um, how often my service is to please people instead of really just to please Jesus. That's one piece of it for me that's really difficult. We can talk about that in a second too. But the other piece is um, it's easy for me to say I'm going to serve in an easy capacity. That person likes me or, you know, they're, they're my friends or this person, this neighbor is, is um, they've been great to my family. So therefore it's almost, um, it's almost uh, uh transactional in one sense and that's totally not what service is and but i easily slide into transactionalism where it's like oh this person is you know um easy to serve because of a b c and d so i'm gonna do it but over here no way i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna engage in that conversation or engage in that act over here because um it's difficult or Mm -hmm. it's it's an inconvenient it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and uh, that's where I think you really get into some of the nitty gritty of this ancient practice is am I being aware and paying attention of the, of the discomfort that it takes, but in reality it, it benefits you and it benefits the person mm. uh, you're serving to. You know, that's a great mm-hmm. side. I, I think another side maybe I struggle with at times is, um, my lack of service can come from a, a place of entitlement. 
even. Oh, yeah. um, so for example, you know, for many years I've had roommates, uh, different roommates over the years that I've lived with. And uh, I use the example of taking out the trash or, or doing the dishes because if anyone's had roommates, uh, <laughs> you, you understand that sometimes the trash is full and people don't, they don't take it out or they just, they just cram it down <laughs> more, right? It just it, turns yeah. into a compactor um, <laughs> in the middle of your kitchen or, uh, or dishes don't always get done. And for me, it's like, man, I don't want to do, I don't want to have to take care of other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I would just find myself leaving things behind. But as I, as I, felt like God was challenging me um, to really live a life outside of myself and of service. You start looking for ways that I can serve other people. And it's actually, for me, it was incredibly humbling and, and having to, to kind of kill or die to um, any entitlement that other people should do something or other people owe me or should serve me and recognizing, yeah. man, when that happens, when I notice the trash is full, I'm the one who's going to take it out. Um, because one, I want to live a life of integrity. And if I say I'm following Jesus, then a life of service defines who I am. And so one, Jesus sees those moments. He sees the moments where we notice the opportunity to serve and we walk away from it. Um, and so first and foremost, it had to be for him, but also this is an opportunity for me to demonstrate thankless and unnoticed and unappreciated love for the people in my household. Yeah. And that was such a challenge for me. But I remember that actually became the taking out the trash became a liturgy or or a, a daily discipline um, that challenged my own motives and f- and really conformed my heart to Jesus. And if I'm honest, I didn't want to do it. Right. But I also knew that it was what Jesus was asking me to do. And through that, he was shaping my heart to be more like his. Well, and this discipline really pushes hard against our individualistic, humanistic um, self-centeredness as humans. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Dallas Willard says it says it really great. He says, um, "I may serve one. Uh, I may serve one another to train myself away from arrogance, possessiveness, envy, resentment, or covetousness. A uh, covetousness. Mm. Um, that that's something that's deep. Like when you really think about it, that to actually serve." And you just made me think of it because of, you know, the entitlement. I think I'm that same way. Um, and I think I naturally, I naturally think about myself more than, mm. you know, what's the benefit for me? What do I, I you know, I'm a parent. So um, I talk to my kids all the time and I'm like, dude, pick up your plate, Micah, like my son <laughs> or my, my kids, you know, and I have a daughter who's one. So I was like, yeah, quit throwing stuff, pick up your stuff. No, I don't tell her that. But <laughs> you know, I, I'm constantly trying to train and shape my kids mm-hmm. to be responsible. And yeah. it, and then it doesn't just play into you utilize trash as an example. And it's a great one because who likes taking out the trash, mm-hmm. but we are naturally trained to take care of ourselves and Mm. and uh and that can spill over into you know i'm not going to help anybody else either or i'm not going to just volunteer and when we have we have a a part of us that that does want to do that um too but Mm -hmm. this really catapults us against some of those things well and there's that other side of us as we talk about like um we we naturally have this desire to try to stand out from the crowd right. or to elevate ourselves. You know, the, the human heart wants to think it's the most important thing in the <laughs> yeah. world, or I should say our fleshly desire, right? And so Whitney yeah. even says, you know, this is why 
uh, serving needs to become a spiritual discipline, a regular rhythm, a ritual, a liturgy, to use those various words, in our lives because the flesh connives against its hiddenness and sameness. So there's something in our heart that's broken that fights with everything it has to not be hidden but to be seen in the spotlight. Yeah. and to not be the same as others, but to stand out, be different, be better. Yeah. Um, and and this act of service conforms us back to the image of Jesus. Because again, uh, we're called to live in unity. And uh, at the foot of the cross, there's no room for distinction. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're all it's in lovely. the same place yeah. as everyone else. And uh, so humbling ourselves is a huge, huge part of this service as well. But I would just remind us at the heart of it too is, through this, I am becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything we want in our lives as followers of him, it's to become like him. Totally. And that's the heart and the center of it. And so uh, service is also something that's really, it's not optional for, for those who are followers of Jesus. Every Christian right. is expected to serve. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's a command from God. It's an expectation from him. Right. You know, that we would serve the Lord in gladness, that we would, um, that we would do this as an expression and an overflow of what he's done for us. And so we'll share some of that, you know, cause, uh, we jotted down a couple different motivations for this, but I would just, I, I feel like Sean, you might have something to say on that, but just the idea of services is an expectation for those who are, who call themselves Christians or followers. Yeah. And you see it throughout scripture. Um, especially when you get to Jesus that it's not, um, it's not something, it's something that's anticipated. You know, the apostle Paul in Colossians three, where he talks about, um, work heartily in all that you do, everything that we do and, uh, work heartily as if working toward the Lord to please him, you know? And so it always begins there and flows from that posture. Um, and so it's not, it's not that we will at some point, you know, serve and work hard to, um, to be a good neighbor. And, you know, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 22, I believe it is. And, and, and elevates this idea of neighborliness, um, and neighboring well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see it there, you see it uh, again in John 13, you see it, him calling, um, those who are in power or those who have authority and influence to, um, to how they ought to behave in Matthew chapter 20, 20 verse 25 through 28 specifically. And it's, it's not that this passage in Matthew 20 is talking about how to become great. It's about, and Willard says this too, it's about how those who are already great, who already have positions of influence, who already have a, um, a, it, that they have the ability to, um, they're an authority and all that, um, how they ought to behave, how they ought to see the world and how they ought to live every day in service. And so it's the, like you said, it's not that there, it's not an option. You know, it's, it's, we're called, it's a high calling. It's a high calling and it's, it's a high calling that gives us freedom freedom from people pleasing freedom from mm-hmm. uh, arrogance again all of those things we've talked about um, so yeah it's 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 a good it's a good thing to talk about because I don't I don't know if we talk about this enough yeah um, I mean, or it's very myopic how we talk about it we talk about it in terms of 
you know, service. Oh, where are you serving? Are you serving in kids ministry? Are you serving in, if you're a Christian, you know, are you, where are you serving church? Which yes, it's yes. And it's both. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's every day. Where can I see where Jesus is at work and participate with him in service Mm -hmm. through this practice and liturgy? Yeah. Which for whatever reason made me think of, I think it's our third episode, but living the life of generosity. It's not just a thing that we do. Um, because that makes it a legalistic thing, right. but it's a person that we have become mm-hmm. by the transformative power of Jesus. And so all that we do, all that we are, all that we own is to be held up as an offering to God and for the purpose of his kingdom and for the purpose of serving other people. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of leads us to that first motivation, which our first motivation needs to be that of obedience. Uh, mm-hmm. And this really calls upon the question in our hearts, is Jesus Lord? Um, because I've been thinking about it a lot recently, you know, Maybe people call Jesus a friend, a good friend. Maybe he's a gracious one. He's, he's the one who always receives us as we are. He's, he's all of those things. But is he Lord in the sense that can he command you to do something that you maybe wouldn't have done yourself uh, or that you, wouldn't, don't you do. don't have a desire to do? And if he truly is the Lord of your life as he needs to be, then obedience is something that we do as a response to him. But he's also worthy of that obedience. And so Deuteronomy 13.4, Moses says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Mm-hmm. And so linked right there is this idea of we will obey the voice of the Lord as he speaks to us and commands us to do things because he is our Lord, and we shall serve him and hold fast to him. That obedience and service are intimately connected. Yeah. And I think throughout the whole Bible, I mean, how much of the Bible revolves around people submitting themselves in service to God? I think I don't really think I can't think of any point in the narrative where that's not central Mm -hmm. Um, throughout the Old Testament. You have people that an angel of the Lord appears to or would speak to or direct. You have prophets that had to do some challenging and difficult things. You had kings who were expected to obey the the voice of the Lord and, and serve him and hold fast to him. And sometimes they didn't. Yeah. Uh, And we see the consequences of those times. And then many times they do. Uh, Imagine if if Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not submitted and obedient to what the Lord spoke to her in bringing in the Messiah. Imagine the yeah. disciples, you know, and their their obedience. So um, throughout the narrative, obedience is is a primary motivator for um, for our service. Yeah, and just a reminder, and I won't take long on this, but yeah, for myself continuously because of how I'm attempting to train up my children. I tell them partial obedience is still disobedience Mm. and I'm very much convicted every time I say that to my kids Mm. because I'm like, Ooh, am I being partially obedient? You know, Jesus, you can, okay, you can have this portion of my service and this portion of who I am. Like, okay, I'll go and I'll do this, this, and this, but I'm not going to do, you know, C and D and, and, and and F over here. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a conviction that I'm walking out and working out as well. Um, so may not just convict you, but it's convicting me too. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with yeah, me yeah. today as well. Um, we the also need to, be, we need to be motivated by gratitude. And this is something I think we can miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our service is motivated by gratitude and gratitude for what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. I mean, um, I'm trying to yeah. think if I, if I was planning on mentioning any other point, but um Gratitude. So uh, if you think of we, we all are, apart from Christ, are sinners. 
um, who have fallen short of God's standard, who have rebelled against him and rejected him. And so the penalty or the judgment we deserve is death and separation from him forever. Mm -hmm. And yet through Jesus and through infinite grace that are, we simply receive by faith, he counts us, um, as righteous. He mm -hmm. counts us as have living the perfect life that we never did because Jesus did. And he allows us, God allows us to receive a blessing and a benefit that we do not deserve. And the, right. the overflow of gratitude for that should motivate us to be obedient to him. And I think of in the book of Isaiah, you have Isaiah comes before the throne room of God and he's terrified because he realizes he's in the presence of God and he's a sinful man, which means he's probably going to get destroyed uh, by the presence of God. And so then uh, basically an angel comes flying towards him with, with a, a coal. And yeah. I can only imagine he's thinking, this is it. This is where I die. Uh -huh. uh, but that coal touches his lips and he's purified and he, he's cleansed. And I can't imagine um, what Isaiah would have been feeling in the, in the sense of that vision. But then, uh, then the next piece is basically, man, who's going to go? You know, God, God that conversation in the throne room, who's going to go, who will, who will advance this message. And, and Isaiah's response is here I am, send me. And right. so in that moment, that's a, I, that's a response of gratitude even for what has happened for him, that the purification and the cleansing of his sin uh, and the being restored, the only proper heart response then from a place of gratitude is to give service to the one who set you free. Yeah. And I think, I think that's um, a, a response also that can be tethered to joy and peace. Like mm -hmm. you, you experience peace when it comes to gratefulness, you, you experience hope. Um, there's all these other f kinds of fruit that comes from gratitude. Um, mm -hmm. and I would even like it, I was looking at this. The next motivation is we're motivated, motivated by gladness. You can even say gratitude. You know, because there's a tethering, there's they're a, there's a, connected, yeah. yeah, they're very much intertwined, um, that it's not just a, a and C.S. Lewis talks about this, I'm not going to get into it, but this idea of not how I am, woe is me, oh my goodness, thank you Jesus so much, but it's this gratitude, like grateful and joyful and full of celebration because of what Jesus has done, that like you said, the only proper response can be obedience and mm -hmm. I, I, I want to I want to serve I want to love my neighbor well Jesus because you demonstrated this and because you've poured upon me all of these things these mm -hmm. blessings and and I don't I'm not just saying I'm not saying financial blessings or things like that we deal with as as Americans specifically or anything like that but just the blessing of walking in right relationship with Jesus alone who he is and um, the hope that we have because of it, all the promises and air, uh, there's a, all kinds of different language. So it's almost yeah. this gratitude, but I know you have some stuff to say about motivation oh, by mean, gladness. That's too. so great. Um, I wouldn't really add anything other than just the thought that, you know, what you're saying right now shows us that as a Christian serving is never to be a burden, right? But it's a privilege, right? It's a privilege out of the gratitude of what we've received of what has been done for us. Um, which produces a gladness in our heart and an adoration for God. And then the opportunity we have to participate with the creator of the universe in sharing his love with the world. Yeah. What a privilege. May we never miss the fact that we have such, we get to, we right. get to serve. We get this opportunity because of our salvation. We get to participate 
with God's purposes in the world. And that changes everything. And so I would just say, as I was thinking here, if, if you don't grasp in your heart the privilege, but you sense more the burden, um, you might not have a full awareness of what Jesus has truly accomplished for in your truly, life and yeah. for you. And I would just encourage you to lean in and to meditate and ponder that and look for the scripture that points to what Jesus has accomplished because I think a true awareness of that will turn into an overflow. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think part of, I th- I'm trying to remember where in John, it's in first John or second John where it talks about his loving kindness draws us to repentance. It's this interesting tension that, my sin being forgiven, my that I'm not driven by guilt. I'm driven by this um, this kind, loving, absolutely just and mm-hmm. and and uh, sovereign God. Absolutely, but it's this this um, driven not by shame mm-hmm. and, and guilt. Or oh, I have to I now have to, because yeah. I owe it to God. Yeah, like, but I get to, and with that, you know, you comes all the blessings of serving too yeah, that's great yeah and then lastly i would just say um service is motivated by love ultimately at the end of the day uh it's the love of god flowing through the hearts of redeemed and saved people that we we get to be conduits of god's love to the world and mm-hmm. we have a world who is um who does not know their creator who is not infatuated in love with um jesus who doesn't know that they have a savior and through our service, through our lives of sacrificial, self-giving, uh, others-elevating love, we can demonstrate who God is to people. And as his representatives in the world, when people look to us, they should see, sense, and experience who God is. Yeah. Um, and I think, I pray all the time that God would fill me with his love for people. Yeah. Uh, that Because I think if, if we are filled with the love of God, and we see people the way God does, there's no way that we could not overflow with love towards them. Yeah, in a world that we are living in right now desperately, desperately needs followers of Jesus to do this. Um, And uh, you look and see on social media, you look and see on the news, you look and see even within families and churches, and we need the church, um, the universal church, followers of Jesus from all over the world, to rise up and say, we're going to be different. Mm-hmm. We're going to be different. Um, and so uh, we urge you to do to do this. We, we uh, implore you, we encourage you to dive a little bit deeper mm-hmm. in service. Obviously, with these ancient practices, we're, we're giving overviews and introductions and, and practical steps. But um, our world needs followers of Jesus, even if they don't realize it, to engage in this ancient practice. And I know uh, Khalil has kind of a, a final uh, word, but I I've, I just love what Richard Foster says, and this maybe can spark something within you all, encourage you all who are listening, and and maybe you can also be an encouragement to someone else with this quote, and it's worth quoting. Uh, he says, "When we see someone intently listening to another human being, we are witnessing service in action." When we see a person holding the sorrows of another in tender, loving care, we are witnessing service in action. When we see someone actively guarding the reputation of others, oh man, that was convicting. We are witnessing service in action. When we see simple, everyday acts of kindness, in the name of Jesus, by the way, we are witnessing service in action. It is in these actions and many more like them that we begin to get a picture of service. 
So maybe encouraged uh, with that. Yeah, that's so good. And we just we just know that those who truly believe the gospel of Jesus uh, receive Christ-like servant hearts, that the Holy Spirit produces that within us. And so one of the clearest indications that people have truly believed the gospel of Jesus is that they have a new desire, a Christ-like desire to serve uh, that overcomes their selfish desires to be served, to be self-seeking. But in, instead, uh, the love of God who counted himself uh, to be humbled as a servant and enter into this world uh, and to care for those who could not care for themselves. That's the heart of Christ. May it be our heart today. Yeah. And so thank you for listening. I hope this gets you started. We hope you share this episode with someone because this is a conversation that the church needs to be having mm-hmm. uh, and we need to be having in community with each other. So uh, again, we love that that five-star review or your comments, anything meaningful. It means the world to us and it helps other people discover the, the show. And uh, we just we just hope that you you walk in faith, you walk in service uh, for the rest of this week.